following is a presentation of the Belly Up Sports Media Network. No, no need to censor yourself in any shape, form, or fashion other than, you know, just don't get yourself fired from uh, your job. From your real job. Yeah, yeah I will attempt. <laughs> all right. Well, with that being said, let's get started uh, with the show. Welcome back to the South End Zone here on the Bailey Up Sports Network. I'm your host tonight, Jason Bailey. I am with my counterpart, Eric Mulher. Eric, what's going on? Oh, a big week for me, man. I got two sproutlings on my bonsai trees that I planted. Uh in the little pods so oh my god in, in four to five years i'm gonna have small little miniature trees i can clip and like trim and find my emotional center i'm stoked <laughs> oh my god you are the oldest person in america <sighs> anyway all right so we also uh, that aside we also have a special guest with us tonight who i will introduce in just a moment but before i do that uh eric we got about 30 seconds worth of news to cover here because we weren't okay. able to get to it last week, which is uh, Cliff Kingsbury, the former Texas Tech head coach and Arizona Cardinals head coach, is now an analyst, an offensive mm-hmm. analyst with USC. So yep. anything to take away from that? I don't I don't think that he really brings. So in the interest of time, I'll keep my thoughts on this short. I don't care. Yeah. Because until yeah. they until they play a shred of defense, it doesn't matter. <clears throat> what kind of offensive analyst they hire. He's not going to win a championship allowing 36 points a game, period. Yes, I love that take so much. Yeah, and for Kingsbury, I really don't think that he brings anything to USC that they already that they don't already Well, that's have. the other thing, too. Like he, It's more of a springboard for him, I think. Yeah, it, it probably just, hey, take this little, this small slice of ham and two green beans off of my plate so I can focus on all the other stuff, right? There's Correct. nothing like no value added. It's just maybe like a redistribution of work and whatever. Yeah. I mean, I like Kingsbury. He's a good dude. And, you know, I, I mean, I liked him on hard knocks. I think he's probably a really hard worker. So I don't know, man, I could be interesting looking forward, you know, if he ends up actually playing a significant role for that team but again they are terrible on defense and we expect them to be terrible uh forever at least as you know long as lincoln riley's there so anyway back to the topic at hand which tonight we're going to be discussing you guessed it the nebraska corn huskers man we eric we've roasted this team to no end deservedly but yeah deservedly roasted the last like 12 months especially last season with the scott frost saga but we figured we'd bring in the big guns and uh take a look and see what's happening with nebraska so with us tonight is greg smith he is the sports writer for inside nebraska which is the rivals.com affiliate greg welcome to the show man Hey, thank, thanks for having me. I did. I did not. I do not have a bonsai tree um, that I have planted and have uh, two and a half sprouts or whatever uh, kind of coming up. So sorry. Uh, oh, geez. I got. I got some seeds I can send you if you want to get on the train. <laughs> you know what? I'm. I'm going to let you hold on to them. <laughs> it's okay. That's all right. Well, I planted like 18, and I got two so far. So I, I might need those extras. Yeah. Oh my God. Again, you're incredibly old, Eric. Leave the man alone about your bonsai trees. Okay, so uh, we're going to call this episode Behind the Cornhusker Curtain. 
And uh, we're going to get into basically, uh, you know, we're not really going to recap 2022 because uh, Nebraska fans probably don't really want to talk about 2022 or the four years before that, you know, for that matter. So, you know, we know they're coming off a really uh, tough uh We'll, we'll call it 17 seasons <laughs> so we're gonna jump we're gonna jump right into 2023 and see what's happening with the huskers this year now greg just surface level here something we talked to all our guests about is sentiment around the program especially one with a new regime at the head mm-hmm. you know the matt rule era is beginning at nebraska and so there's probably between scott frost People that are still there and then people that Nebraska brought in this season, I would wager, and and the freshman recruits, I'd wager there's probably 30, 40 new faces around the program that could ex- be expected to contribute in a big way this year. So what is the sentiment around all the new faces around Nebraska? So it's interesting that you mentioned the 30 to 40 new faces because so and, and it's easy to think of it that way, right? Where, you know, the on the field people there's there and that's true. There's 30 to 40 new faces. But Matt Rule has also hired maybe the biggest staff that I've ever seen. Um, and so there are close to there's got to be pushing, you know, 70, 75 new people just around the building. Like I mean it like when I say that, you know, obviously went into the transfer portal for a number of guys had a huge recruiting class as well. Um, guys that obviously leave the program and more to come with that um, as the portal window just opened. But the, the amount of staff that he hired, not just obviously the 10 on-field assistants, but then all of the analysts and then the assistants to the analysts and the people in the recruiting department and nutrition and strength and conditioning, like the, um, the special assistants to Matt Rule, like there are all sorts of people that, and we get to go to practice like once a week during spring football and the spring game is this weekend so this is the last week so we didn't get to see him this week but we get to go down every thursday for like a 30 minute window and i can't explain to you how many people are down there just like on the sidelines um that are they have a role they're all running around hooting and hollering and they've got like kind of it down to a t and so that kind of leads me into kind of the sentiment amount the program is kind of a renewed enthusiasm right like people are excited as they always are when they have a new coach but i will say this matt rule Someone is giving him fantastic advice because he's saying a lot of the right things. He talks a lot about, you know, physicality and practice and, you know, harping on the little things and the details. And it's almost like the exact opposite of Scott Frost. I'm sure that that's not his aim. And that it, but I just think that Trev Alberts, the athletic director, hires himself a football coach that really is like himself, Trev Alberts, really a detail oriented person um, and a tough football coach. Like he's hit a lot of the right chords so far this spring but then again no games have been played but right now he's looking really good yeah and that's it's got to be sort of renewed life for Matt Rule as well you know coming from mm-hmm. the NFL kind of a lot of people would say eh, well he failed at the NFL level but that's happened to a lot of coaches and you know a lot of people say Nick Saban failed at the NFL level and came back and look what he's done so I mean that's got to be some renewed life for uh, a rule as well uh, Eric what do you say we get into spring practice and what's happening there Yes, let's do that because I have a number of questions regarding, and I'm glad you brought up the off-field personnel because I, that's one thing I had read is is similar to what uh, Billy Napier did at Florida, right? Yep. Hey, I'm beefing up all the things you talked about recruiting. Yeah, everything right? gets beefed up. Yeah. And, but it's, in terms of the on-field, we talked about all the transfers in and the huge recruiting class. And I guess before we get into that, like specific position battles, I wanted to ask – how far over the scholarship scholarship limit are they right now? And how in 
because I think last thing I read was like 10 or 12. How are they going to get under that? Yeah, they're at, at, at by my last count, because Lante Brown wide receiver went in just a couple of days ago. I, they're at 98 or 99 scholarships. Um, they need to be at 85. Um, generally, um, it, it has to be like basically before the season starts. And the way that I've explained it on our message board, because people freak out all the time about this, and they have been really since the early signing period, to be honest, um, I say it works itself out. I don't I don't concern myself personally with, you know, whether or not they're going to get there or anything like that, because I would just ask anyone this. Have you ever heard of any program in the history of ever getting in trouble for being over the scholarship limit? You haven't. So they're going to get there. But because there are so many, there is a lot of intrigue around that. Right. We're talking, you know, double digit more guys that have to leave the program and they've already had at least a handful leave the program so far. They're going to have more. The transfer portal window opening when it did is very awkward for Nebraska. Like, if you think about it, opening up last weekend when they still had another full right week of spring the practice spring game, and yeah. a spring game, um, I'm actually surprised that more guys haven't already jumped ship um, since then. Like, there's been one other guy, um, like a fifth string backup quarterback um, that wasn't on scholarship. Like, he went into the portal, but like, that one isn't going to get as many headlines. Um, and so, I'm surprised that there haven't been more scholarship guys that have already gone in, but they'll be able to do it. I also would not be surprised if they still try to add a guy or two if they can get someone at a premium position. If they can get a defensive or an offensive lineman, I think that they would go ahead and do that. Uh, but there are a lot of candidates when, whenever you've been a team that, you know, has missed a bowl game for, you know, five, six straight years. There's going to be, unfortunately, plenty of candidates that, you know, the coach can ask to can have move on. But there's also a little wrinkle, right? Because I almost gave it away there. The coach, when you're a new coach coming in, you can actually basically cut someone. You can say, we're not going to have you back. You guys, we were talking about Lincoln Riley to kind of kick the show off. Like Lincoln Riley used that rule very well um, and to his advantage out of USC. Um, so that's something also to keep in mind for Matt Rule. That I think he has to get, he'll get down to kind of that nine or 10 range. And then they probably can just decide from there who wants to, who they need to go ahead and let go. Hmm. So you mentioned, right. you know, I grew up a mile and a half north of the Nebraska South Dakota border. Like I know dozens and dozens and dozens of lifelong Cornhusker fans, and I'm not necessarily one myself, but I do follow them and keep up. And the Nebraska I've watched the last handful of seasons is not the same, particularly up front, as the Nebraska teams I watched growing up in the nineties, where they were capital D dominant up front, both sides. So how much progress can they make going into this this next season with all these new faces yeah, the pro so I, I think it's on I, if you ask most nebraska fans or people that cover them like i do like it would be i offensive line i think has a better shot to take a step forward or a significant step forward in year one under matt rule to me because they have much more clay to work with on that offensive line you've got some guys and this is where kind of a lot of times when when new coaches take over if they're very good they identify those guys that were underperforming before and they can get more out of them there are some real candidates for that on the offensive line um, Bryce Benhart is one guy that was you know a four-star recruit coming out of high school in Minnesota 
Um, it was a really big get as a, as a right tackle for Nebraska, and he has severely underperformed during his career. Part of that has been, though, and this is part of a thing that will go team-wide, strength and conditioning was not good um, under the previous staff. And that's something that often, like, it gets overlooked, I think, way too easy. <laughs> you don't say. Um, but it is something that is huge. It's just a huge deal. And we can tell right away, just seeing those guys walk around, and Bryce in particular, um, it's just so much leaner now than he was last year. Like, he's already 6'8", so to have him then be 330, 340, it's just too much. He's too lumbering out there. He was a heavyweight state champion wrestler when he was in high school. And so to put him, put that much weight on him takes away the flexibility that made him such a good recruit. So seeing him be slimmed down and, by the way, hearing Matt Rule say, hey, I think that Bryce Benhart could be an NFL player, that kind of perks your ears up a little bit. They've got another guy, Turner Corcoran, who was also a four-star recruit, was a top 100 player and could have gone anywhere when he was coming out of high school. Um, he's kind of underperformed after playing well as a freshman. He kind of regressed as he went has gone along his career, which is was unfortunately another hallmark of the Frost era. Um, and so if you can reverse that, Add in a couple of the transfers that they got, namely Ben Scott at center to kind of man the middle of that offensive line. I think they've got something going there. Flip side of that, though, the defensive line, it's going to be tougher because you just don't have as many guys. Now, that glass half full version of that is that you don't need as many because Tony White's going to run a 3-3-5. They're trying to get more athletic up front, but that takes a little bit more time, right? And it's, it's just hard. Like, I've, I've always consistently had coaches tell me that if, if you want to pick the hardest position for our young player to come in and play right away, it's the defensive line in college uh, because they are just used to running through people in high school. And then you get to, you know, the Big Ten in this case, and you realize that you're playing grown men every week um, and it becomes very difficult. So, yeah, it, it's just going to take a little time on that defensive line, but they've moved a couple of guys over to the defensive line. Um, they converted a tight end to play some defensive end. Like, they're trying. Like, I'll give them that, uh, but we'll have to see. They're going to need a couple of those transfers like Elijah Judy um, to go ahead and really hit big for them early in the season. All right, so uh, getting away from the offensive line for a little bit here, uh, there's I got a two-part question. The first one I want to talk about is the most popular topic, uh, it seems, at least outside of Nebraska. I don't know what the sentiment is inside the facility. So quarterbacks, you know, there, there's a lot of excitement and renewed energy and that kind of thing, but their quarterback is still Casey Thompson. And he showed some flashes it at Texas and some last year at times. Mm -hmm. And, you know, maybe a new offensive coordinator, uh, Satterfield, maybe he fixes uh, some of the issues. But, I mean, what he's kind of, I mean, is he banged up right now, Eric? Is that correct? And Jeff Sims yeah, is I, getting all the one snaps. I think the last I had read, he's still, I don't know if it's a new injury or recovering from something previous. So it was, he had, uh, so he it was, I think it was a torn labrum that he had yeah. um, at the end of last season that he was kind of playing through and then, you know, got it worked on in the off season and basically, uh, and it's his throwing shoulder. Um, and so he, he has been, Casey has been very limited. Um, but uh, oddly though, today we talked to Marcus Satterfield, the office coordinator, and he said that Casey has been able to do some limited throwing. He can't do them all but he's not taking like full team reps or anything like that so jeff sims okay. has gotten the the vast majority of the first team reps and he has been the first team guy throughout the spring um and so it's been a weird thing around here it's been 
it's still talked about. It is, you're correct. Like, like anytime you have any type of quarterback battle, people, that, that's what they want to talk about, right? The thing is, and I've been making jokes about this all spring, we have a quarterback battle that we it's really a teaser right now. Like when we go down there, like we see Jeff Sims and he looks great. He looks the part, you know, at six foot two twenty five about um, he looks like a guy that could be an NFL quarterback. It's whether or not, you know, it all comes together on the field. And then you have Casey who will be out there kind of doing soft toss basically. Um, and but but the thing is, is that it, Sims will get a leg up right now. And because of his athletic ability and how that will match with what rule, I think what rule and Satterfield want to do with running the quarterback. But once we get to the to August and to fall camp, all bets are off because the the thing that Jeff Sims has struggled with and picking up is picking up the offense a little bit. Casey Thompson doesn't have that problem at all. They have called I don't know how many times they've called him basically an eleventh coach um, out there. There was a, a clip that went out of the team scrimmaging and Casey's got the headset on and he's helping to call plays. Like it's it's so it's going to be real interesting when Casey comes back in his full go what that battle looks like. I think that a lot of that to be honest, and how that is determined will come down to if Nebraska thinks that they can get traditional run game going and the offensive line is improved enough, I think that Casey Thompson is going to win that job because he can hand it off. He can run enough to sprinkle in a little QB run, but he's a really good passer if he, if you give him time. If they don't think the offensive line is going to do that well, I think you let Jeff Sims go back there and see what he can do to create a little bit more and help that offensive line out. But it's going to be that's going to be a huge dominant storyline uh, throughout fall camp. Yeah, when and it, could they even bleed, it could even bleed into the season, to be honest. I mean, if yeah. especially if you know Thompson's injury is still lingering or whatever, if he is still a little bit limited, and you may and plus all those one reps that Sims is getting. And your offensive line may be questionable, so it may be good to have Sims in there. Sims is a guy, to me, that he's almost like too athletic to keep off the field. Like, you have to find some sort of role for him. But the second part of my question, before I let Eric dive into uh, the offense a little bit and uh, Satterfield, is Nebraska going to play any special teams now? (laughs) Are they going to hire a special teams coach and actually focus a little bit on special teams? Because I think Scott Frost just said F it and punted special teams oh he definitely did um as evidenced by that onside kick and whatever that was in the northwestern (laughs) game in ireland everybody sorry nebraska fans everybody remembers that um (sighs) the the short answer is yes they are going to play special teams because i think that this like it's a real focus uh for this group ed foley is a special teams coach they have a dedicated special team coach he's very good matt rule like unprompted often goes up to the podium and talks about special teams and how important it is and i think that that's one of those things where when your head coach actually talks about it and you and they actually practice it um shocking that actually helps your team to be able to be better at it plus i think one of the weird weird how that actually happens right (laughs) and i think that this is where going back to something that you said earlier about matt rule and kind of uh renewed sense of energy for him with the nfl one of the things that he can say though about the NFL and his time there to these college kids is, and he has said it, he's dropped this nugget a couple of times um, in press conferences, and I think he's doing it specifically for his players. He says stuff like, hey, you know, these everybody, every guy on the team wants to make it to the NFL, but if you're going to make it there, you better be able to play special teams. You better show, you know, scouts in the NFL that you can play special teams. Even if you're, unless you're like a superstar in the NFL, you're going to be on a special teams, or that's how you can make a roster. And I think he's he's got a little something there, and I think 
think that that's actually true. And it's a way to go ahead and get some of your top line guys to really buy into it, but then also make it to where there's a trickle down effect for other guys on the team too, to where they want to be on those units because they see that as a, maybe a pathway forward to being able to play at the next level. It's super savvy, but that is a, again, a theme of this entire spring is that Matt rule just seems to always say and do the right thing so far. Yeah, and that's something that, uh, you know, Nebraska not being so uh, deep, you know, as far with regard to depth on the defensive line and uh, linebacker and stuff like that, a lot of those guys are going to have to play special teams. Right. You're going to have to have a lot of your better players on the field to, you know, be able to cover on kickoffs and cover on punts and things like that, you know, stuff that Nebraska has failed to do <laughs> the last right. uh, several seasons. But uh, I'm going to let Eric, Go back to the offense for a minute here. Yeah. Uh, so just to circle back real quick to the quarterback yep. discussion, um, have they given you guys any sort of insight on when they expect Casey Thompson to be cleared to to like more? No, practice? Th- not really. Um, we all just kind of expect him to be back for fall camp. Like that, that's just kind of been the wild, wide held expectation. He'll be back for fall camp and that if he really had to do stuff right now, he would like he played through so much last year um, that I know that he'd be out there playing for real if he could. Um, And so and I I think they just want to take it slow. And like I said, that's where it helps him so much that he's such a smart kid and he's a better. Remember, he's like, what, 25? Like he's one of those weird guys that has been in college forever. Um, Yeah, I was going to say he's a six year guy, right? Yeah, he's like a six-year guy. And so that ends up helping him, too, is that he's not pressed to be out there like getting like actual live reps. He'll be perfectly fine even without that until you get to the ball. Okay, so staying on the offensive side of the ball for the moment, but branching out from the quarterbacks, um, one of the transfers that they brought in was a, a kid I watched in high school a handful of years ago, uh, just this uber-athletic alien of a tight end who has had a little bit of a journey before he ended up at Nebraska. Now, Nebraska already had a, a I believe he was a four-star recruit, a pretty highly regarded tight end, uh, Thomas Fedone, mm-hmm. on roster. And we've talked about this, Jason and I, have, on previous shows. I kind of linger on the fringes of Husker Twitter. I haven't, like, oh, dove, dove all the way in. Be, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, I figured um, it's a weird place. It's always get a better place than all the way in, um, especially the last couple of years. But mm-hmm. there was a lot of consternation I saw about, well, what is, you know, when Eric Gilbert, committed to transfer to Nebraska was like, well, do they think Fedone can't play? Is he not going to be back from injury or whatever? Like they've never heard of 12 personnel. Uh, would, would they be someone that you would think would know anything? From what you've been able to see at practice, uh, integrating both those guys on the field and trying to, to create a mismatch, is that something you see them maybe trying to do or have they not shown that much? Um, they're definitely going to do that. Um, that that not only do they want to run twelve personnel to get both of those guys on the field, they converted a big wide receiver, Janarin Bonner. For, he was um, it was a pretty good recruit out of Louisiana. Um, they converted him to kind of like this flex tight end role, um, and they've been trying to use all three of them um, at the same time. Like I think that tight end is a real strength um, for their team. And when you just talk about it, like you did on like just on paper, when you look at kind of the conversion of Bonner aside, like um, Thomas. Would was the number one um, tight end in the country the year that he came out of high school, the year that Eric Gilbert came out of high school. He was the number one tight end recruit in the entire country. If you get those guys to play up to that potential, 
then that's the big if um, you've really got something there. And if you've got a real nice mismatch nightmare for defenses and you just it's hard to deal with two tight ends like that. You've seen that at places like Georgia where it's just really difficult to do. And so Gilbert is a guy, though, if you can keep him on the field, he obviously has shown that he can play uh, like that's not an issue. Uh, but just needs to stay healthy like and he's looked great um, throughout this spring uh, from what we've seen. But, yeah, I definitely think that they're going to want to lean on that, uh, especially as they kind of figure out, like, if you're going to if you've got maybe a little bit of a suspect defense or if it's a work in progress would be the nice way to say it. Um, you're going to play a little ball control. Those tight ends would be able to help you quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because in the Big Ten West, I mean, plenty of teams go 12 personnel, but it's just oh, to yeah. get two extra blockers, not necessarily, hey, we're going to get one guy up the seam or one guy in the flat. So, But also you're used to people aren't used to seeing that because you're going from what Scott Frost was trying to run, which, you know, doing his UCF offense, which was the Oregon offense slash UCLA offense now. And so you're just not used to seeing that, right? And so I think going from people, going from that to, hey, they really could utilize these tight ends and maybe even a fullback like Satterfield got up there and got everybody excited by talking about a fullback. Um, and so, yeah, it's just going to be totally different. Hmm. Well, something I wanted to touch on, your speciality, obviously, one of them is recruiting. Mm -hmm. And something I wanted to ask before we got into how their recruiting is going is uh, what is, uh, I mean, to the best of your knowledge, how deep into the NIL game is Nebraska really diving in? How much are they committed? Because like everything that I've been reading is that they are, you know, one of the most invested teams in the Big Ten and really trying to amp up the NIL funding. I mean, would that be correct? Have have I been reading the correct stuff there? You have been reading the correct stuff. They are definitely – Boy, it'd be hard to say that they're not the the top team in the Big Ten, at least with NIL operation um, and how much they're committed to doing it. There is a there's a very good operation for NIL here. You, they need to continue, like basically everyone else, they need to continue to get more donors and more people going ahead and, and giving money to it. Um, but they do have they have a good operation for that and they're leaning into it. And I don't and I think that Matt Rule understands and this is one of the things that actually it came up in his very first press conference i may have asked the question about how like his, he's been away from co- from college for three years and those three years may have been 15 right in the amount of things that have changed in the college landscape with the portal just with the portal and nil alone um and so he would said even then that he was going to use every tool of the, the, that nebraska could use to their advantage and nil was definitely one of them because of the because of how you have to recruit here um, and the lack of access to as many talented players kind of just in, in the state. Um, it's getting better, but it's not going to sustain your entire program. So you're going to have to go outside of the program. Yeah, they're definitely leaning into it um, in a big way. So then NIL aside, in terms of Matt Rule and recruiting, mm-hmm. it seems like there's an emphasis on a different type of player than there was before under Stop Frost. And what I mean by that is he seems to really be prioritizing speed um, over over all else, really, a lot of track guys mm-hmm. um, and a lot of guys who are fast for their position. Is that like just roster wide? Is he just trying to kind of bring back sort of his Baylor look? It is it's a great call because that is it's exactly what they did at Baylor, um, and they want to do the exact same blueprint with that when it comes to two things. It's the speed and recruiting Texas, um, and both of them they put a huge, huge emphasis on. Like they, I, This staff believes that if you have the raw athleticism that they can teach you football. They believe that they are good enough coaches to be able to do that. 
they've shown that they can do that at their previous two stops. So until they show that they can't, uh, we probably got to give them the benefit of the doubt on that. And they're, of course, looking for some good football players as well. But they think if, if all things being equal, they're going to take the faster guy. And if they are looking for kind of those diamonds in the rough, which they like to do with these guys really like to do as well, that they're going to look for a speedy diamond in the rough. And they've got a couple of them um, that were in that 2023 transition class um, that are just flat out burners. They, you know, Jalen Lloyd and guys like that, that are like world-class sprinters that could really like, you know, try and go for Olympics or like run track in college. Um, and they have even got a couple that will try and play both, do both sports in college, both football and track. But even that they've got a plan for that because they did that at Baylor as well. I know that they've already like kind of coordinated with the track coach. The track coach and the, and Corey Campbell, the head football strength and conditioning coach, have already been coordinating about pack plans on how to get those guys up to speed. Like they're they're very detailed in all of that um, because they've done, been there, done that, and that's where the experience of Matt Rule really does come in handy. Uh, but yeah, you're dead on. They they want speed, 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 and it's 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 across the board um, too because they just need to get the team speed up overall. So I'd imagine they're trying to plus up the speed mostly on linebacker and defensive secondary. So their defense, frankly, just was not good last year. We sucked. They nope. they didn't tap well. <laughs> their their run fits were horrid. And you talked about the three three five, which if you have fast linebackers, you can do. Like TCU showed that. Like you can stop the run against the team like Michigan if your linebackers from the backside are fast enough and athletic enough to get somewhere. So, you know, are are they looking at linebackers who are fast enough to do that or are they still trying to identify guys or do you think they they have the pieces and it's just a matter of putting them together to run that type of defense he wants? Well, and They're, and are they going to be trying to bring in people in this portal segment to fill roles if they don't have those guys now? So, the portal thing is going to be tricky because of the because of the scholarship numbers like that that's just going to be really hard like it, it's going to have to be a guy that's just a no-brainer and uh, frankly that if the guy's a no-brainer everyone's going to want him right so it's just going to be tough um yeah. so they, they probably will still look um i think though we talked about defensive line they're going to have some issues there but they're they are trying and we're going to find out real quick on how good of a coach technically terrence knighton is right and if he could get those guys up to speed and get them better right they have the secondary to be able to run this 335 that's the strength of maybe the entire team the problem is is that when you say out loud the secondary is the strength of a big 10 team Okay, that doesn't do a ton for me, right? Because you know <laughs> yeah. that while you are going to face the Ohio States, you're still not going to be able to cover Marvin Harrison Jr. So it doesn't matter. Like unless you've got like you know Georgia or Alabama's corners, like it's just gonna it's just not going to work. So that's aside from that. You want to end up flipping that if you're Matt Rule very quickly to where we're talking about the defensive line and the linebackers being the strength of the team or the strength of the defense, right? That was a long way to say that the linebackers are not fast enough for what they want to do. Um, they've got a couple of guys. I don't know. And they brought in some transfers. They're going to have to do some mixing and matching there to try to figure that out. And this is where a guy like Eric Fields, who's one of those like fast, like kind of under the radar recruits out of Oklahoma that they brought in, he's going to probably play as a true freshman just because of his speed alone. He'll be able to get out there and give them something. Uh, but I think that that is maybe 
maybe the top it's definitely the top defensive priority for this 2024 recruiting cycle is getting fast athletic linebackers and they're in on a few really good ones um but that's going to be a huge priority because like you're right if you watch that tcu versus michigan game and a lot of nebraska fans did because at that point we knew the 335 was coming right and so people were like oh okay here it is we're gonna see a 335 against some real big 10 power and tcu held up but they held up because those linebackers could fill those run fits, first of all, properly. <laughs> Second of all, they were able to get there quickly and make the tackle, third of all. So you, if, if Nebraska can get there, it'll be just fine because that defense can cause a lot of nightmares and headaches for offenses, but you've got to have the personnel to be able to do it. Yeah, I mean, it does. It, it's, I mean, not to get too scheme nerd, but like your, your blocking rules for offensive line change on the right. odd front versus like a 3-4 or 4-3. And, and so you can cause a little bit of confusion and maybe don't whiff on a guy, but you don't square him up and block him maybe in the direction you want to and seal him off either. And that's kind of where that athleticism linebacker position comes in, which is why I was curious. Yeah, they definitely need to upgrade that. And speaking of upgrading, we talked a little bit about playing the Ohio States and, you know, the laser show offenses. So Eric and I were going down this schedule before this show. And I got to be honest, like, you know, just off the cuff, we both agreed. It's like one probably guaranteed loss. And then every other game on this schedule is like flip a coin. You know, normally when you see a schedule, when your schedule comes out for the year, you go down the list and you count, you know, one, two, three, four, five. We're going to win those and then probably lose these two or three. And then we've got a couple of toss-up games. But I'm t- I mean, Nebraska's got like nine <laughs> toss-up games on their schedule where just roll the dice because some of the Big Ten West is just as crazy. So what was the, I suppose, the reaction on Husker Twitter and in the Husker circles when the schedule was released and you open up with road trips to Minnesota and at Colorado and their 38,000 transfers that they've got? <laughs> uh, first of all, that's, it's tough in a way because Minnesota has like Minnesota has been a weird team for Nebraska to play over the last few years. Like Nebraska got a win against them in Scott Frost's first year. And then I'm not sure that they won another one against them. After that, people are annoyed by PJ Fleck. So they hate losing to him. That's like fair. it's just, yeah, and it's it fair. Um, you fair. either, man, you either just you either love or hate him. And it, I see that even with recruits and talking to recruits, like either you are all in on PJ or you're all out. Like oh, there yeah. is his, no own play, his own players were crushing him on Twitter, like right. You know, and a, and you a year and a half ago. Yeah, you see that. Yeah, and so like it's it's just weird. So like people don't want to lose that game, but it's the very first game on the road. You just never know. But it's still kind of a coin flip. Like I don't know if that will be like when the, if the early early spread is out, it's probably not more than a touchdown in favor of Minnesota, and that tells you it's basically a toss-up because they're at home, right? Um, The Colorado game, you're talking about another one that people just won't want to lose. Like, that one, in getting them in transition, they're not going to be very good. Like, they just don't have enough players. Like, and I don't know, we can talk about this whole, like, Dion is, like, getting all this publicity and all of this stuff. Like, they just don't have any players. And we can, like, and I look, because I know from recruiting, they get a lot of skill position transfers, but wake me up when they get some guys on the lines like it's just not happening for them. you're gonna be sleeping so, a while yeah i just i just don't think they're gonna be very good i think that that's gonna be a game that nebraska can win as well um and then you're right like except for that michigan game that michigan one is michigan will be one of the favorites for the national title um they're not gonna win that one but otherwise 
uh, you could convince me that they can they'll be right in a whole bunch of games again this year um, and have those games be close. It's just whether or not they can get over the hump or do some of those little things that really bugged them for the last you know four or five years. Well, and you know, speaking about the Michigan game specifically, it depends on what vis- version of Michigan shows up in Lincoln because mm-hmm. last year Michigan should have lost Illinois, and the referees right. just gave them the game, just handed it to them, and they should have lost that game, and then ended up losing to a much less physical team in TCU. And so, who knows? I mean, at least the game's at home, but I feel like this is. Nebraska has lost a ton of close games. I mean, Eric, I know you've got those statistics filed away somewhere. We've talked about it on the show where mm-hmm. they lost like they had a, an even point differential and they mm-hmm. went one and eight in those in games. conference play. Yeah, 2020 in conference play. It, it's that, that absolutely be ridiculous. impossible. Yeah, I think yeah, it's hard to do. <laughs> it, it really yeah. is. And so you you look down it and you're like, man, like th- this actually sets up pretty well. I mean, the majority of what you would call their tougher games are at home. Iowa at home, Michigan at home, Purdue at home. You take a road trip to Michigan State, but they looked god-awful last year. So yeah. I think and it's a really – Wisconsin's I, a mystery. Yeah, and yeah, I, I think it's a really know. nice I'm setup. I'm so curious about them, yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, running the air raid. We, Greg, we've been trying. <laughs> and if you've got some beat writer contacts, we'd love to get them because we we've been trying to get, get someone anybody. from Wisconsin. They're, they're yeah. super interesting. Uh, yeah, we, we, we would can't. really love somebody to explain to us how an air raid is going to work at Wisconsin. But uh, we can't get anybody because I don't think they know either. But uh, – <laughs> So I think the schedule sets up really nice for Matt Rule in year one, as nice as it can, so to speak. And uh, I guess moving forward from that, expectations-wise, what are the expectations for this team, you think? I mean, I would think coming into the season, they're probably going to have a pretty low Vegas win total, Eric. I mean, what would if you had to ballpark it, would you say four and a half, five? I mean, what, what do you think? I If I had to guess, it will either be – Six plus or minus a half, and mm-hmm. I think their their over under will be right at five hundred because they have so many games that are winnable. Um, right. So if you just assume, okay, they'll win half of those and lose half of them, they really only have the one that they're going to be significant underdogs, and they got a couple of layups with with Louisiana Tech and Northern Illinois. So right. I think I, I would guess five and a half or six. Yeah, five so, and Greg, a half is you, exactly what I was thinking too. Yeah, so what do you think the sentiment is around the program as far as that goes? Win totals, looking at this schedule, like do they think can we legitimately expect Nebraska to come in and be the opposite of what they've been the last few years, which is just not competitive? Make a bowl game. That that's your that's the the conversation right now. And as wild as that sounds to the people our age talking about Nebraska, it's, it's make a bowl game. Because what that would show, first of all, it would be an improvement over the win totals from the last couple of years. It would also tell you, if you just don't even go through and pick games, it would tell you that they won the games that they were supposed to win, right? And they need to get back to that. It would tell you that they probably um, had a decent enough road or home record, which is something that they need, desperately need to get back to. Like they they do too well with, you know, the fan um, participation, fans showing up to not be better than this at home. Like they need to be better at home. Um, and it would set up a nice story for Matt Rule going into year two of he has a story now to tell recruits hey this has been a program that was downtrodden i've been saying that we were a little bit ahead of what i thought that i was back at baylor and at temple we made a bowl game in year one here whereas you know 
there in both of those spots. I think they won like two games or three games at each spot in that first year. They were very bad. He so won, he won three games combined in his first year. Yeah, like I do something <sighs> like that. And so, yeah, so and then he gets to say, OK, and you saw what we did at those places once we got over that hump. But we started even further ahead here at Nebraska. Come be a part of this thing. Like you've got a real thing to be able to say. So I think win a, make a bowl game. And try to get to, you know, get to seven wins on the season, which I don't think is out of bounds. Now, health pending, you're going to still need to keep some of those offensive and defensive linemen healthy. Um, but I think I think that that is a, a realistic goal for this year. Just just make a bowl game, get that streak, a bad streak out of the way and then start to have some real building blocks for the program. Yeah, and I'm glad you brought that up because that was one of the questions that we talked about when they hired Matt Rule, whatever episode that was, you know, months and months ago. Was that's what I was curious about? Was his his mo has been putrid in year one, respectable, like 500 ish in year two, and then double digit wins year three. But like you said earlier, the college football landscape is not the same as it was when he was at Baylor. So I think there's reason to think that he can maybe skip that that painful first year and go right to hey let's go win five six seven games uh, and get a little bit of a leg up and then year two we're not trying to go six and win a bowl game you know and win the the pinstripe bowl or the cheese bowl or whatever we're we're trying to win nine games in year two right right and and compete for the west and that type of thing so uh, yeah, and I think that, and this is he he has said publicly, and I some of those guys say it privately that they believe that they are this team is better and has more talent than they thought that they did when they came in, and that they definitely showed over the last couple of years, right? And I think that while there are deficiencies, and there definitely are, the, this team is better than what they've shown um, over the last few years, and you can see that based on kind of the close losses they had played with anybody, like pick one of the Big Ten teams, and they played them close over the last couple of years they just couldn't get it done in the end so that's why it's been so important for Matt Rule and his staff to instill confidence in this team as well like that's going to also be an x factor of what happens if they do start the season off two and oh like what could that do for their confidence or even one and one where they you know win a win one of them in a tough game but lose the other one and then bounce back like there's a lot of different ways that it could go but I, I definitely think that Matt Rule and his staff like this team and think that it's better than people give it credit for. That does not mean they're challenging for the West this year, but I think a bowl game is definitely in everybody's sights. Speaking of X factors, Eric. Yep. <laughs> you wanna, you, yeah. Let's, it's the feature presentation of the show. So, indeed. all right. So, Greg, you're something like the ninth beat writer we've had on the last couple of months. We, we've tried to get around all these different teams, and I ask this question every time. And I'm keeping a list of everyone's answers, but uh, we do our post. So this determines award. whether or not you get invited back on the show. No, yep. that's right. <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> uh, we do our postseason award show, and one of the awards we give out is the Conor McGregor "Who the Fuck Is That Guy" award, which is uh, <laughs> okay. really our version of Breakout Player of the Year. Okay. Uh, so, like Jalen Hyatt from Tennessee won this past season, for instance. So, uh, if I had to ask you, who is the most likely person? Uh, for you to pick as a, you know, who would be the most likely 2023 Cornhusker to be in that discussion at the end of next season? Someone that maybe, you know, hardcore Nebraska fans are at least familiar with, but someone who isn't, that doesn't follow the program closely, might turn on the game and be like, God, you know, who, who the fuck is this guy? Who the fuck is that guy? 
I think my gut reaction, and this is tough because this position is very good, actually, and so it could be a couple of them. Um, but I'm going to go a running back and because, you know, Nebraska has a long tradition of having great running backs. Um, oh, yeah. Gabe Irvin Jr. Um, is the guy that I'm going to go ahead and pick. Uh, he's number 22. Um, if you pull up a picture of him, you'll see him, and, and he looks great. Like He looks all of six foot six one, two twenty five, two thirty. 225, um, He's a great-looking yeah, kid. Yeah, he's big he, dude. He's rocked up. Yeah, big dude. He started as a true freshman, um, and he was the first Cornhusker running back to ever start as a true freshman. Like and then, and like we said, there have been a lot of great ones, right? Um, and so he then hurt his knee in that, I think it was the fourth game of the season against Oklahoma that year. And then it kind of took him all of last year to kind of really feel like himself. He didn't play all that well last year, but he's a guy that's gotten a lot of praise this spring from, from the coaching staff. Um, I think he ends up winning that starting running back job, and he has a breakout season uh, behind a renewed offensive line. So Gabe Irvin Jr. Uh, is my Conor McGregor award winner. All right. Mm, you're, awesome. you're on the list. That's, all right. There, there's the one person panel deciding that winner, too. That's me. So. <laughs> <laughs> no appeal process or nothing. Okay. So, uh, uh, last question I kind of wanted to ask since you do cover recruiting so hard, uh, just ballpark. I mean, how do you think the recruiting is going for this upcoming season? I know I did see that they hosted a massive group of recruits recently <laughs> including dylan rayola you know the number one player in the country and all these other people i mean what what kind of uh shot do you give nebraska to start landing some of these high-ranked four and five-star players you know as soon as next year yeah it's it's going it's, it's tough man, right because it's it's hard to get guys to take that leap of faith right you just mm-hmm. need that big one to get the ball rolling to really to say to the other kids yeah we can get this going so it that's going to be hard there are a couple of guys though that and actually one of them is coming back for the spring game this weekend um brandon baker um uh, some places have him rated as the number one offensive tackle in the country rivals i think has him as like two or three either way he's a very good offensive tackle prospect Prospect. He's the number one, um, maybe the number one. He's definitely number one offensive lineman in California. Um, he's coming back for another visit, and he was there that big junior day weekend, and he's coming back again for the spring game. I'm going to guess it's going to go very well for the spring game, and he'll come back for an official visit. That's a guy that they can really lock in on and see if they can really close the deal there. Um, but as far recruiting is a little bit behind probably from where, where they would like it to be at this point. They only have three commitments, but you have to remember, and I remind the fans of this, all the time is that they're in a unique situation because when Nebraska was putting together that big transition class for 23, finding guys that they could recruit, getting back into the college game, Matt Rule's building a staff, and they're getting into the transfer portal, that's when everybody else was basically looking at 24, right? They were they Those teams were ahead of the game. Nebraska was behind, so they're just behind on building those relationships. It'll pick up over the summer. I think when we come out of the summer official visit time, they'll be at double-digit commitments we'll see if it ends up being some big ones but i think double digits by the by the start of the season oh that's awesome well yeah and uh you know i've told some other uh beat writers this on our show recently uh as recently as last week when we had logan robinson on from noel game day you know and we feel the same way about nebraska where you know college football as a whole the game itself is so much more entertaining and better when nebraska is good when i started watching college football Nebraska was the team. They were a absolute juggernaut and they won, you know, three national titles in a four year span there. And it was, they were the standard and 
kids growing up today don't even know. They don't even remember that. You know, these kids weren't even born when Nebraska was winning these titles, man. So it's just wild. So for us as, you know, college football fans, aside from being podcasters, we, you know, definitely hope that uh, Nebraska takes a big step forward here. And uh, I I would love it because I have a lot of friends that are just, I'm tired of seeing them sad. (laughs) <laughs> oh man yeah, well, life is better for me as a person that covers this team when they're good so yeah it would be nice to not just be entertaining in a bad way but in a, for actually winning yeah indeed yeah well eric do you have anything else for greg before we let him get out of here no i think i'm all set all right well greg we thank you so much for spending some time with us to talk nebraska football and uh good luck this season and hopefully we'll uh catch up with you maybe after a big win over michigan you know this year or something <laughs> there you go hey if they beat michigan i'm definitely coming back but i appreciate right. your time guys hey and good <laughs> luck right. with that bonsai tree i uh, appreciate it <laughs> right. talk to you later man thanks all right nebraska football man holy shit um i'm hopeful I am too. I really am. I would love to see him get back and be good, man. I'm tired of like, I mean, for us as content, you know, creators, it's always free content with the Nebraska coaching debacle, but it would be nice, like he said, for it to sort of the tune to change and us be talking about him as a formidable team. But Eric, I'm going to be honest, even with the NIL steps that they've taken, man, I have my doubts about him ever getting back. I mean, we talked about that a little bit when we did our fall from grace series last summer, man, well, it depends I just on what don't you mean by getting back. You're talking getting about getting back like, to w- winning championships. Um, because I, with the new format in the big 10 coming, you know, with the, they're not going to have divisional play and the top two right. teams will be in the championship against each other. I just there don't know if Nebraska conference. can it. Right. I, I just don't know if Nebraska can get enough players in there unless they just, start throwing massive bags at these kids to to consistently be in the title conversation i mean am i crazy to think that well i think if they can get 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 off to a good start in year one and have something tangible on field to show recruits like like greg was talking about then recruiting picks up it's just it's a significant gap and it's not something it's not a gap that they're going to close in three years or four years yeah. it's it's got to slowly build up and then sustain i think that they could get to the point where they are regularly competing for a spot in the 12 team playoff like i think that's a reasonable goal to be hey you know we want to we want to play in the big 10 championship game every other year or every third year or yeah. you know get an at large but you know i think the era of any team winning you know three championships in four seasons is probably dwindling it's it's just, yeah. I think, getting a little more even. And I don't think you're ever going to see a team ahead of the pack as far as Nebraska was in the mid-90s. I mean, Tom Osborne <laughs> yeah. lost three games in his last five years. Yeah, like, like 60 and three. <laughs> it's yeah. Stupid. Oh, man. Yeah, with that that level of dominance, you you may be correct. I don't, I don't know that that'll ever uh, come back just with the way the landscape is nowadays. No, but, but, but I think they should be able to get to – the earlier Osborne years where they just average nine win this season for three decades. Wow. Like I, I, I can't, don't talk to, don't talk to Nebraska fans about averaging nine, nine wins a season. Cause that's not good enough. Ask Bo Pelini. Well, it wasn't. And I think, I think their perspective has changed in the last decade and a half since then. And I think if you, if I told most of Nebraska, it though? they're going to win nine games a year for the next <laughs> 20 years, they'd be fine with that. They, they, <sighs> they would eventually tire of it once it started happening. But yeah. Like right now, yeah. I'd be like, shit, sign me up. 
Yeah, they'd, they'd be real tired of it. All right, well, that's going to wrap us up for the week on Nebraska. And you guys can find us on social media at South End Zone Pod. That is YouTube. That is uh, Twitter, TikTok, Instagram, all the all the social media interwebs. You guys can find us at South End Zone Pod there. You can follow me at Jason Bailey 47 You can follow Eric at Eric Mulher. We'd like to thank the Belly Up Sports Network for hosting our show. And we will be back with you very shortly to talk more college football. See you then. Later. Thank you very much. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we go belly up, so we made it our name. And we're still here.